You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Good morning. I'm Pastor Jason, and it is a, it's a joy to be with you. The sunshine outside is, is pretty spectacular, isn't it? It just greets us and makes us ready for, for this day. Well, today, as we are continuing our journey through the Gospel of Luke, we're going to be taking a look at a parable and then some teaching that Jesus does, that, that he brings to his disciples. And one of the things we've, we've been noticing as we've been journeying with Jesus is that Jesus has a way of including a lot of people around him, and he keeps drawing people to himself. And one of the things that he, he really hopes to, to uh, imbue the people who gather around him with is trust and faith and hope and love. He wants the people that are gathered around him to trust in God, to have faith in God, to have hope that, that the world that they live in can be impacted, that it can be changed, that, that what they see, that what they experience, it can be transformed. And Jesus wants people to have love because God loves them, and he wants them to experience that love and to radiate love for God back. Now, one of the things that, that Jesus does in the midst of that journey is, is he finds places where he, he takes the, his people that he's traveling with, he takes them aside, and he's, he's got things to say to them. Sometimes there are things that are, that are brought to the forefront in a, in a big gathering. And today, we're going to hear a story about trust that takes this big question, and then Jesus teaches on it. And the real, the real point behind all of it is you can trust God. You can trust God. I can trust God. God is trustworthy. And there's some ways Jesus has, if we listen, how that trust can be built. Now, trust is important. Trust in, in your friendships. Trust in, in the fullness of your relationships, whether it's with, between you and your spouse, between you and, and maybe kids, or if you're a kid, you and your parents. Trust is important. Trust between uh, yourself and the people you work with. Where there is trust, there is incredible power. There's incredible strength because there's incredible confidence. And you can enter in, all in. You can be fully present and you can, you can say, where are we going? What are we going to do when there's trust, when you trust other people around you? And when trust is lacking, you know, sometimes it's, you're really pensive or you're timid. When trust is lacking, you may even be looking for the exit door. So trust is an important factor. Trust is something Jesus wants us to have. Trust is something we look to build. We look to have in, in all kinds of relationships we have today. Have any of you ever um, tried to build trust with a group of people and you've used the, the, uh, the tool, the trust fall? Have you ever used the trust fall? Did it go well for you? Um, the trust fall is something that, that those who are experienced learners or people who who like to help people learn through that aspect of experience, they came up with this idea of, of the trust fault where somebody would stand up on a, on a, well, maybe like a platform like this, and then they would they'd fall. Um, but not all trust falls have been good at imbuing trust. Let's take a look at this trust fall. Did y'all see that coming? I didn't see it coming. Um, <clears throat> Trust falls are, are, I asked David, I said, David, do people still use these things? He said, not anymore. <laughs> Too many people have experienced that kind of thing. 
But the whole point behind that, the whole point behind the trust fall is that we need to be able to trust people. We need trust in all of our relationships to really thrive and to flourish. We need trust. We've got to find a different way than that to do it, obviously. And, and that helps us see that Jesus, in fact, is struggling with an issue of trust and how to trust with his disciples, with the people who are gathered around him. Earlier in the Gospel of Luke, in, in chapter 11, Jesus begins to teach, and, and some of the people who are in the outer, um, outer edges of his teaching are those who are experts in the law. And the experts begin to, to question Jesus and to question some of his teaching. And in that moment, Jesus knows that sometimes when the experts go a different way than Jesus, that our sense of trust can, can experience a chink in its armor. Also, a little bit further on, um, Luke tells us that when Jesus is teaching and he's got this big crowd around him, sometimes we put a lot of trust where there's a big gathering of people. And yet Jesus understands that some days the crowd is going to love you and they're going to throw flowers at you. And some days the crowd can turn on you because crowds can be fickle. And so the question that the disciples, the question that we face, the questions that all of us face is, how can we trust? Where can we trust? And how can we build trust? Jesus, speaking to the disciples, is going to tell them, you can trust God. You can trust God in all circumstances. And there are some things that you can do to build trust. If you've got your Bibles with you, um, I'd encourage you to take them out and turn to Luke chapter 12. And we're going to be reading first a parable and then some teaching that Jesus has. Luke 12, starting at verse 13. Then someone... Luke says, called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, What should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store all of my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, My friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. You will die this very night. Then you will get everything you worked for. Yes, Jesus said, A person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. Then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food and your body is more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any bird's. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies, how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he certainly cares for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. 
Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven, and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. This parable, story, and then the teaching is provoked by a question. It's provoked by a brother who comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, my brother isn't sharing our, our inheritance. I want you to speak to my brother. And behind that question, behind that urging, that request from this brother to talk to another brother about their inheritance is a question about trust and it's a question about the future. Because this brother has come to Jesus with this understanding that if I'm going to really be secure in my future, I need that inheritance that's coming to me from my parents. I need the inheritance, and I need you to secure that for me. I can trust in my future if my brother shares the inheritance appropriately. And that's when Jesus goes into the story about a very well-to-do business person who's very well-to-do in his endeavors, and, and he's so well-to-do that he has to tear down his, his barns and build bigger barns. And as he looks off into the future, he says to himself, you're set for the future. But Jesus says the human condition comes to all of us. And the human condition at some point is going to come to each and every one of us. And things that we trust, things that we rely on, in fact, are going to be unloaded from us because death has a way of unloading us. And so Jesus looks at this one who's come to him, and he says, you're seeking to put your trust in possessions. And sometimes, friends, we don't necessarily have possessions like he does, but we have other kinds of possessions. We have titles or we have places. We have things that we hold on to dearly. Maybe it's not money, but we... We have things that we put around us that if we think to ourselves, if we just keep this close, we'll be secure in the future. Jesus says life has a way of bringing havoc to all of those things. But he turns to the disciples and says to them, if you really want to have trust, you can have trust in the Father. Because the Father cares for you. The, the Father watches over you. And so Jesus has this sense of teaching, and probably you've heard at least at some point some of those teaching moments of Jesus, some of his wisdom that he puts in there, like don't worry because, you know, you can worry about tomorrow, but worry is not going to fix any of its troubles. I mean, that's just a great piece of wisdom, right? And, and sometimes maybe you've said it, and then sometimes it's maybe been said to you, and you're like, when the moment comes and somebody reminds you of that, you're like, just be quiet, just go away. I know that worry can't fix tomorrow, but that's where I'm at. But Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow because you can't fix it. Worry can't fix it. But the Father, he says, the Father has a way of dealing with us, addressing us. And so he says to the disciples, I want you to look to the, I want you to look to the air. I 
want you to see the birds. I want you to look to the ground and see the lilies. See how God cares about those things. All of life, Jesus is really saying, all of life, the significant things of life are found in God's care for all of creation and for you and for me. And if we see God's care for those things, we can imagine what God's care for us is going to be like. And so he says, don't worry about those things, but be rich towards God. And so there's, there's three things that I'd like to just draw our attention to. Jesus says, God longs to give us the kingdom. He longs, and it's, it actually makes him happy to give us the kingdom. There are ways in which we can open ourselves up to the kingdom. Jesus, first off, says, look to the birds. See how God cares about the birds. Do you ever watch the birds? Do you ever consider the birds? you ever see how it, it amazes me that birds seem to fly around in all kinds of weather, even in cold weather, but somehow God cares about the birds. I think one of the things that Jesus is inviting us to do when he says, look to the birds, is he's inviting us to lift our eyes up. Sometimes when we find ourselves in a place of worry or we're thinking about today or tomorrow, we don't lift our eyes up. We don't see things in broader perspective. When Jesus asks us to look to, the, look to the birds and see that God cares about the birds, I think he's inviting us to look up and to see how God has cared for us. God has cared for us in the past. A few years ago, um, my wife Anna was reading through a book called 1,000 Gifts, and it was a story of Ann Voskamp. And, and in the beginning, Ann talked about how worry was just something that sort of gripped her life. And so she started the practice of writing things down that she was thankful for. And that practice of writing things down that she was thankful for turned into this book. So there are moments in my own life where out of that experience, I picked up this reality that if, if we're to remember the birds, if we're to remember the ways in which God has blessed us, how can we write some things down? This morning, I, I took out a pen and I wrote five things down on each of my, my fingers on this hand. Five things down that ways in which God's goodness comes to me, ways in which God's goodness has been expressed to me, ways in which I, I take a look at these things and I'm like, my family, the place where we live, the folks that I traveled with this past week who, who could who every day find fresh expressions of Jesus' love in their midst. Some of the things that God has put on my plate to do, and, and they've come to completion. It's like, that's incredible. And coffee, God's goodness comes in coffee. It's like those things, like, they just come and they're in front of us. And when you begin to look at the birds, consider the fields, you realize that God cares about you me. One of the other things Jesus invites his disciples to do is look to the lilies. And I think Jesus is inviting them to do more than look to the lilies, but I think he's inviting them to get down on their knees. Because you really can't look at the lilies from a distance. You have to get down and look to see all of their sense of incredible beauty and wonder and the glory that's there. In some ways, you even have to put your hands in the dirt or in the soil. You have to put your hands in the, in the pith of all that's happening in this place. You have to get your hands dirty. I think Jesus 
would say, I'd invite you, brothers and sisters, to engage with what God is doing in the world. And maybe that sense of engagement is beginning in a garden because God begins all kinds of life in a garden. And so maybe it's simply planting some seeds and, and putting out a garden. But maybe it's doing some other things. Maybe it's tending to the garden of your soul. Maybe it's tending to the garden of somebody else's soul. A couple weeks ago, I had the privilege of, of going around on a Wednesday night to a number of our ministries, and I happened into the kids' club ministry that was taking place um, down in, in the kids' worship area. And that night, the story was about how Jesus left the 99 sheep and went to find the one lost sheep. And after the story had been told, there was a time when the storyteller asked the kids who were in the room to reflect on how the story connected with their story. And one little boy raised his hand, and he said, I just feel like that story is my story. I feel like I've been the one that Jesus came after. He said, I was born in China, and then I was adopted, and I was brought here to the U.S., and I started to come to church. I'd never been to church before in my life, never heard about God. I was learning a new language and hearing about God and having all kinds of experiences I'd never had before. And I started to pick up the language. I got the language thing, and I kept hearing these stories about God. And then one day, Jesus showed up. He appeared to me. He called me by my name. Just sitting in the back of the room. And here is this boy talking about Christ being present to him in profound ways. What happens, my friends, is when we, when we step into places, when we get down and we begin to notice the lilies of the field, and we put our hands in the dirt, we may not know exactly what's going to come of it, but somehow God begins to show us his face and his presence is real. And we find out that we, in fact, can trust God because God is showing up. And he's showing his face and he's doing things and he's doing new things. So Jesus says, if you want to know how you can trust God, if you want to know how you can be a recipient of the kingdom that God desires to give to you, Look to the birds. Look to the lilies. There's something else Jesus says, both at the end of the parable and then at the end of this teaching time. At the end of the parable, he says, this guy who tore down his barns and he built bigger barns, he, he made a significant mistake because he wasn't rich towards God. At the end of the teaching where he's with his disciples, he said, if you find that you're at a place where you're worrying a whole lot, sell your possessions Give to the poor. I think in those two phrases, I think what Jesus is after is an invitation to begin investing in the kingdom. Investing in the kingdom. One way we can invest in the kingdom is, in fact, to sell things. To take those resources and to invest in the poor. We have poor around us. We have poor in our neighborhoods. We have poor who are in our cities. Sometimes those who are poor are poor in spirit, but many times we have poor who are poor in their own economics. And we are invited to be people who give 
so that those who are poor, those who are poor can find a different way and they can find the gospel and they can find the kingdom. One of the ways that I struggle to, um, to show a picture of the folks at Jobs for Life because sometimes we, can, we put labels on people, especially then when we talk about the poor and then we, we see a picture. But Jobs for Life is a place, friends, where we can invest in the life of another person, where we can invest with our time and our energy, where we can invest in the story of somebody else and we can hear stories of where people come from in our own community. Stories that oftentimes will break your heart. You see the great tragedy, and yet at the same time, when we're in the midst of those stories, we hear God at work, and God on the move, and God moving. There's a new class for Jobs for Life starting up, and I think they still need a couple of champions. If you would be interested in investing your time and investing your energy investing some of your resources, you could sign up and be a champion for Jobs for Life. One of the other things that Jesus talks about there, though, is is being rich towards God. Taking the resources that you have and making purses that don't develop holes, putting aside an inheritance that will never wear out, that nobody can take away. Because you invest in the things that God loves, you invest in in the ways of the kingdom. It was about... Ten days ago now or so, Pastor Jim and I were talking about his own development in faith. And he said, you know, for a long time in my life, I was a church goer. I just sat in the pew. And one of the things that I desired was a gym. I always thought a church ought to have a gym. And about, I don't know, almost 20 years ago now, Schweitzer was at a place where they were talking about having a gym. And, and, and Pastor Jim was interested in a gym, so he went to the meeting, and he heard the vision for the gym, and he had his own sense of vision for the gym. And so he, he said to Roxanne, his wife, and I loved how he did it, because he's, he's really animated with his hands. He's like, Roxanne, we got to do something about that. we got to give to that. He said, the funny thing is, is I've never given anything to the church before in my life, but I just felt like I needed to do it. Well, God took that opening. God took that opening of giving to something like a gym, and he's used the gym for far more than what Pastor Jim ever could have dreamed of or imagined, or anybody at Schweitzer at the time could have dreamed of or imagined. But not only did God do some, and is God doing some really cool things with that gym, but when Pastor Jim opened up his heart, and he began to think about how do I become generous towards God, the generosity of God just began to touch his heart deeply. And God began to do new work in Pastor Jim's life. And now he's a pastor. You never could have imagined that, could have you? Never saw that coming. Because God does stuff. And he changes us. And he deepens our trust in him. When we open up to him, to those who are around us. So Jesus... He's been telling us, and he's been showing us, and he's been giving of himself to us. As we've been looking at this story, his story in the Gospel of Luke. He's been showing us that all of us can be invited into what God is up to. And Jesus has been showing us the very heart of God. 
But you know the thing? You know the thing that God treasures? You know the thing that makes God's heart beat every moment? It's us. Jesus says, where your heart is, or where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he is, Jesus is the heart of God, and he comes into the midst of us, in, into our space where we live. He comes and he walks among us now. He says, brothers and sisters, you are God's treasure. You are God's treasure. Trust in me. Follow me. Look to the birds. Look how God has watched over you. Look to the flowers. Look how God is at work in your midst now. Take some steps of faith. Take the things that you have in your hands and trust them to God. Kind Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness and your kindness to us. Take the things that you've placed in our hands and help us commit them to you so that we might experience your kingdom, the fullness of your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray, amen.